We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Blue Wire. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast presented by Blue Wire and BetOnline.ag. I'm host Kyle Banduho here with a bonus episode to celebrate the NFL draft. And I'm here with Matt Barr, the co-host of the Fourth and Gold podcast, another member of the Blue Wire Network. Matt, I'm looking forward to this special episode. Thank you for joining me during quarantine. Absolutely. Any excuse to talk draft stuff that isn't actual draft stuff, it's nice to a nice little change of pace for me. Well, speaking of that, before we get into a, a very interesting movie in draft day, uh, <laughs> what do you guys have planned for the NFL? This is this episode we're recording is coming out either on the day of the first round or the day of the second round. What do you guys? What kind of content do you guys have planned for Fourth and Gold? Uh, yeah, over Fourth and Gold. So we just recorded an episode last night, so Wednesday night. Um, uh, it, it came out, I guess it came out Wednesday morning. Excuse me. I'm losing my mind with the quarantine, man. Every day is Tuesday. So, um, yeah. you know, we recorded it last night. It came out this morning. Um, and then we've got, we're doing a live YouTube, uh, show for, for the draft. Um, we're being joined by another 49ers podcast. So it's gonna be me and Javier along with our buddies, Will and Zach. And it's just gonna be guys being dudes drinking beers and watching the draft. We just happen to be recording ourselves while we're doing it. And then uh, we'll be doing a Sunday wrap-up for all the 49ers stuff and to talk about any of the biggest surprises, shocks, and best moves from the actual draft, the real draft. Not 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 draft day, but from the real draft. So it's going to be a lot of fun. It's the uh, biggest week of the year for football podcasts, right? Yeah, we uh, we talked right before we recorded, and you said that there's you basically have no idea what the Niners are going to do. You've got two first round <laughs> picks. If you had to place money, presented by BetOnline.ag, on who the Niners are coming home with tomorrow, who'd you oh, pick? Oh man, oh man. Okay, oh. So I, I'm I firmly believe they're going to trade back on both picks. If I had to pick one guy that I would put any money on, I'm not putting any money on it because I don't trust myself here. Javon Kinlaw, defensive tackle from South Carolina. That would be 
the guy I'm most comfortable saying that they will draft him. But even that is like the 20% comfort level, and that's the highest I got. And I'll go into draft day hoping uh, either CeeDee Lamb or Jerry Judy slides to the Cowboys. It's just very fun to take a uh, receiver. It's just exciting. <laughs> but um, today you and I are talking, we're talking about draft day. Not the NFL draft, not the real one. We're talking about the the 2014 Kevin Costner movie. Uh, covered it in a, our full normal episode format exactly a year ago. Covered it for last year's NFL draft with uh, with Kevin Turner of The Athletic. Um, you, you can go back to listen to that. The episode's evergreen. The audio quality is not. Uh, it was recorded with tape of call. It is my deepest shame. But, um, you know, folks, you know the plot of this movie. Kevin Costner's the GM of the Browns, loses his mind on draft day, makes questionable moves that technically work out. Um, if you, you know, like the movie wants you to think they work out, but I, I, I want to talk about that in a bit. Um, you and I, Matt, are going to, there's a lot of, this podcast focuses on authenticity of sports movies. We appreciate some realism, things that, that you really buy. Uh, this movie doesn't have a lot of that. Draft Day is not known for being a very realistic sports movie. What's your, if you had to, Ray, I ask every guest, you know, is this a Hall of Fame all-star starter or bench warmer sports movie? Before we get into our draft, what is this movie for you? I'm going to give it spot starter. I know that's not one of your rankings, but it's not a guy you want in the everyday lineup. But if it's on, it's entertaining. I mean, if, if, if you really step back and you you just realize that they're trying to make a sports movie for people that don't pay attention to the NFL and don't pay attention to the draft, it's 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 fine. It's entertaining. Um, I especially get that that they're really trying to play to a, a wider audience when they actually get to the draft portion of the movie and Rich Eisen basically explains how the entire NFL draft works. I mean, he goes into how much time they have to make their picks. If they lose their pick, they talk about times it happened before. They explain every little bit about it. And it's just playing to a wider audience, but it's entertaining. It's Kevin yeah. Costner in a sports movie. You really can't go wrong here. He is the the god of this podcast. He's a first ballot <laughs> sports movie Hall of Famer. This movie, Draft Day, has the has NFL's both of the NFL's thumbs on it. And that is for better or for worse. It does get, you get the actual teams, you get the actual access, you get, you know, the NFL network draft set up, you actually get Roger Goodell, you get those sweet overhead shots of each stadium that they, they cut to in the movie a lot. That's great. Mm -hmm. You also get how the NFL is when, hey, we just want to look really, really good. We don't, the NFL didn't really care about being too realistic. They just wanted to look good. And, and that's where this movie came out. So you and I are going to do a little draft of our own. We've come up with the 15 dumbest or most unrealistic things about this movie, our own, our own big board. We're just going to do a snake draft. We're each going to pick five. We're okay. going to draft the five dumbest things of this movie. We're going to do snake draft, like fantasy draft format. But I just, before we, we read off everything, like this movie, I think, and I think the most unrealistic thing, this movie wants you to think that Kevin Costner's character pulled off this this coup, like the perfect, <laughs> you know, the perfect draft. And at the end of it, he ends up with a linebacker with the number one overall pick, which like if he's an edge rusher, yeah, that's great. I don't think in the movie he comes off that way, but it's also a guy that he definitely could have traded back for. But now he's got a linebacker with a number one overall pick contract, a first round running back, which like, <laughs> the track record on that lately, it's not what you want. Um, like, you look at the the running back, he, he technically took Arian Foster. You get a couple peak years out of that, and then 
<laughs> and then uh, and no second rounders for the next three years. This actually didn't end well for the Browns. That's that's really not what you want. He could have come back. He could have come out of this much stronger. He could have come out of it with Vontae Mack and a Hall of Picks. Yeah, I, 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 I. There's no, there's no redeeming how they played Kevin Costner's character as as genius and, and doing everything he can. And I think it's because he comes off as the smartest guy on the screen. Because when you look at the other GMs, I mean, the other GMs are just morons. Everyone in this movie is dumb as hell. The GMs are terrible. They're all terrible. They should all be fired. But again, I mean, when you look at the way the NFL works sometimes, I mean, maybe this is realistic. Maybe this is actually how they think. Maybe, maybe everyone is, is really good. Yeah, maybe this John is really Lynch cool and Bill Belichick. Yeah, like the the Seattle GM especially. This is something that I, I wasn't gonna pick this, but I'll just mention it real fast. Seattle GM pulls off like the trade of the century. He oh, gets absolutely. three first round picks for the first overall pick. He can sit at seven and pick pretty much you know pretty much anyone he wants for the most part. And then like four Seattle fans show up outside the gates and start holding signs up, and he freaks out. And it's a GM's job to to not care what the fans think, at least in that regard. Fade the noise. Your job is way bigger than Joe Schmo coming up and holding up a sign because there's always going to be those guys. No matter what pick you make, there's going to be fans that love it. There's going to be fans that hate it. It's just that's just the nature of the business. And you and your team have done the work. I like. I'm a pretty diehard football fan. I watch a lot of football. I love the Cowboys. The Cowboys one time made a a first round pick at the back end of the first round, and I was like, oh, this pick sucks. Why did we do this? That pick was Travis Frederick, who's probably going to be a Hall of Famer. And that's just like the ultimate proof that even if fans are quote unquote diehards, unless they're in there scouting, crunching the tape, watching the film, their their opinion matters none. It's it's about you and your staff. So let's run down the big board of, of, we came up with the 15 dumbest things in this movie. <laughs> I mean, and it, it, the list could have been a lot more. Uh, so here, here's the big board. Trading up to draft a linebacker who you could have traded back for. Having a secret relationship with a salary cap analyst in your office. Shout out Jennifer Garner. She looks amazing in this movie. <laughs> uh, including David Putney, the, this, the punt returner, being included in a trade. Which is just so, so dumb. <laughs> Uh, spreading your dad's ashes in the middle of the NFL draft. Going out, you got you got to do it now. Got to spread the ashes now in the middle of the NFL draft, most important day of the year. Calling an NFL general manager in the morning of the draft and telling him he needs to pick you because you'll slip if he doesn't. Like the that's the opposite of of what you want the guy to know. Uh, not having a full scouting report on the top quarterback in the draft when you don't have a definite quarterback and you're picking in the top ten. Uh, passing on a quarterback because his teammates didn't come to his birthday party. <laughs> Asking a fellow general manager what you should do, which is the, the what the Jaguars GM does. The Seahawks sending back all their picks to the Browns so they don't pick a player that they didn't want in the top spot anyways. Uh, trading the number one pick with three, um, trading up to the number one pick with three first round picks without a clear decision on who you're drafting. The scouts not knowing that Vontae Mack gave a ball to his sister, which led to him being thrown out of a game. Uh, having an intern start on draft day, which is which is wild staffing issues. Uh, Roger Goodell not being booed. Very unrealistic. Very dumb. Uh, not cutting a player who just destroyed a general manager's office. And then uh, the Washington Redskins helping out a uh, another franchise, telling them about their little $100 bill thing and, and about what they think about Bo Callahan. That was a lot of dumb. That, that was that was tough to read. 
Yeah, and there's one that didn't make the the, the board. It kind of did with talking about the Washington, telling about the hundred dollar bill, and and the players not coming to Bo Callahan's birthday party. Is that this information was given by a dude that was essentially working out of a broom closet on the first floor of the facilities, and they called him head of security or something. Why does head of security have all this top secret information, and why is he so cryptic about holding on to it until? Four hours before the draft starts. Who who is that guy? I I, I, I don't know who that guy is. There's so much about this movie that's just like you just have to shrug. There's no <laughs> real explanation for it. Um, and it tried to cover it in depth when we, when we covered the movie last year. Um, you know this whole like the whole thing with Bo Callahan sliding and all this new information coming forward. It's kind of like the Laramie Tunsil video, except it. it the Laramie Tunsil video and that, that draft slide made sense. That was something that was completely wild. This whole scenario they built about Bo Callahan's reputation crumbling in front of us like hours before the draft just just doesn't land, doesn't work. Yeah, and big shout-out to Sam Elliott for like a 14-line cameo. Oh, was the, yeah, he's the Wisconsin coach. Yeah, he's the Wisconsin head coach up there doing spring practices, and he has like 14 lines, and he kind of tells Kevin Costner to go piss off. I mean, it's great. Oh my! This didn't make the big board either, but them picking like the the school with the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback with the golden arm being Wisconsin, their <laughs> their quarterbacks the last like twenty years, their job has just been to hand off the ball. Yeah, get the ball to Ron Dane or whoever else aside is in the their, backfield. Aside from the one year of Russell Wilson, correct, correct, and even then he didn't go until the third round. So I mean, exactly, yeah. Exactly. So with that, Matt, let's let's start our draft. Uh, Goodell's going to the podium. You have the number one pick. What is the the dumbest or most unrealistic part about this movie? Uh, I'm going to take trading up for the number one pick, sending three first round picks without a clear decision on who you're drafting. And, and the caveat being he had that note in his pocket the whole time. So he had Vontae that note Mack, no matter what. Vontae Mack, no matter what, right? The whole time he had it in his pocket. So him just being brash and just being like, eh, fuck it, let's go. Three first-round picks for the number one pick and then and then going into your war room and, and not saying, this is who we're taking. is just, I mean, that's like Al Davis level of just incompetence and not understanding how the draft should work. So that's my number one pick. Well, and you you watched the movie more recently than me. Mm-hmm. You watched the movie this week. It would have it was two first round picks at first. It was two first rounders and a third rounder at first, and then he hung up and he said, "No, no, no, I can't pay that." And then he called back, and the Seattle GM was eating pancakes, which comes into play later. You get Bo. Come on, Tom, say it with me, you pancake eating motherfucker. <laughs> And uh, he's eating pancakes. And he's like, yeah, now it's, now it's three first rounders. And because uh, the Seattle owner is putting pressure on on the GM to make it happen. Which, by the way, shout out to this movie for showing way more owner diversity than the NFL ever has. Because the Seattle <laughs> owner was true. black and the Cleveland owner's last name was Molina. So I have to assume he was at least somewhat Hispanic. So, I mean, really stepping out of their comfort zone. But again, NFL thumb on it there you know just we're more diverse than we do think we are absolutely (laughs) absolutely um so my number one pick is kind of in the same vein 
it's the same. It's trading up to the number one pick, but it's it's who he made event. It's trading up to draft a linebacker you could have traded back for. Because Vontae Mack calls him earlier in the, the day and lets him know that if he doesn't draft him at seven, if, if Costner doesn't draft Vontae Mack at seven, he will he will slide. He will slide into the teens, and he needs that seventh overall pick contract. So in reality, he should have been looking to trade back. If it's Vontae Mack no matter what, well, you can pop Vontae Mack at 11 and scoop an extra third-round pick or something. Like, that's what you need to be looking for. And instead, he trades up this massive amount of draft capital. Like we, you know, I said earlier, it eventually comes out to, you know, three second-rounders to, to pick a guy that you could have traded back for, which is astounding. Yeah, I, I don't get it. I, I don't and, get and it. You they know, they, they it even said win. they. It's like Kevin Costner has a heart. No NFL GM has a heart. I'm sorry, they don't. They well, don't. He a, wants. I mean, it's a business. Yeah, it, 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 it's a business. It's a business decision. It, you can't. No GM would trade up to draft a guy that they could have gotten at their pick just so he can have a better contract. That's asinine. No, just so he can take care of his his dead sister's kids. It. it no. Now, that sounds very crass, but these are fake people, so like, don't don't think I'm a giant jerk for saying it like that. <laughs> but you know, in the movie context, like that's that's why you traded up for him, and, and I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. So I'm right there with you. Um, my turn to pick again. It is. You are on the clock okay. with your second pick. Um, man, I gotta say, it's like not cutting a player who destroyed the office. Ooh, that's uh, a that's a sneaky that's a sneaky high pick. That's a that's a surprise pick there for me. Yeah, it just seems like because Kevin Costner's office in this movie is the Wild West. Like, what is going on in his office? So the the quarterback and I'm blanking on his name right. Brian Drew. Brian Drew Brian is the quarterback. Drew. He's Alex Smith. That's that's who he is to me. He's Alex Smith. So he's he's the he's the the reigning quarterback. The, the he was coming off a knee injury. He looks really strong. Whatever. They trade it for the first pick. He goes and destroys the office because he assumes they're gonna draft Bo Callahan. Just list off some other things that happened in in, in uh, Kevin Costner's office. Uh, the the head coach also lit his draft game plan on fire. He did. He did. There yeah, was, I mean that's a you could lump those two in together. Not cutting the player who destroyed the GM's office and not firing the coach who committed arson in your office. Yeah, I'm just gonna you know I'm gonna lump this all together. I'm just gonna take the shenanigans that happened in the GM's office on draft day. Okay, that, that's fair because there's a them. lot in there. Because he's also got like his secret affair thing going on there. He's got like his mom coming in with his ex-wife for some reason, who is at the will reading for his dad, but he wasn't. I don't what. I, okay. Like and it, the intern, the intern's computer is in there too. Yeah, the intern's computer is in there for some reason because Bill Belichick has paid this intern to show up and spy on the Browns. I mean, there's just so many weird things that happen in his office, and it's like, I, like I, you know, I can promise that's not going on in Jerry Jones' office. I can promise you it's not going on in John Lynch's office. Why are the Browns? Well, that's the answer. It's the Browns. But, you know, how can he let this much stuff just happen in his office on such an important day? It's a tough look. It's he does. Kevin Costner's character does not. What is his what is his name? I forgot the character. What's the GM's name? Sonny Weaver. Sonny Weaver. Sonny Weaver's shit is not together at all (laughs) in this draft. Just just terrible. Um, he doesn't. He doesn't know what to do. He, I. I Who? I don't know, man. That that office is just crazy. Well, I'm on the clock now. Uh, I am going with for my second pick, 
asking a fellow general manager what you should do with your picks. <laughs> they have that back and forth between him and the Jaguars general manager. The Jags have the sixth pick. And they, what, what's the, he has like, he's like a first year GM, right? Is, is what yeah. they're riding him yeah, off they, as? They paint him as like a, as like a 24 year old kid that took over as the GM of the Jaguars. And he basically starts panicking and he's like, Sonny, Sonny, what should I do? And he's like, I'll make, you know, you'll be a hero if you come away with, you know, three second round picks. Like you'll be a hero. Like it's just. I, I get that it, you said it earlier. This movie wasn't made for like diehard NFL fans, but like anyone should realize they they probably wouldn't be asking your you probably wouldn't be asking your competitors for advice on what you should do. If this guy is trying to get into your draft position. He's the last person that you should ask for his advice on what you should do. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly it. And especially if you look at the value that you're going to get for three second-round picks for the sixth overall pick. If we just use the Jimmy Johnson trade chart, right, that good old Jimmy Johnson trade chart, the sixth overall pick is worth 1,600 points. 1,600 points. Now, if you go down and you look at the 33rd pick, which is assuming that the Browns finish last for three straight years, you're looking at a value of 580. So even if you... Multiply that by three, you're not making that much money. You're barely on trading the six overall pick. You're barely recouping it. And then if the hypothetically, like say the Browns are, you know, middle of the pack the next two years, get I mean, it's a massive risk and it's I mean, it's just the optics don't work too. Like there yeah. are optics like you can trade back in the first round if you, you know, if you pick up a late first round pick or, you know, a first rounder next year Mm -hmm. or, you know, some hype, some, you, you end up with like multiple draft capital in that draft or something like that. The optics of trading the sixth overall pick and not getting a first round pick back, it, it, it just wouldn't happen. It's just something that would absolutely not happen from just an optics perspective. Yeah. There's just, there's just no way. There's no way that, I mean, look, dumb teams do dumb things all the time, and the Jaguars are pretty dumb. So actually, them drafting six, then then just kind of pissing away that pick makes sense. It does make sense. So again, if you're watching this movie and you're trying to take it as realistic as you can, I get it. But also, there's no panicky kid. No, no GMs panic on draft day. They have contingency plans for everything. For the most part, they pick the right franchises to dump on in this movie. They I did. guess that's one like one point in their favor. But Matt, you were on the clock. What is the your third pick for one of the, for the dumbest or most unrealistic thing in draft day? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with the Seahawks sending all those picks back, and David Goddamn Putney, just because Sonny Weaver wanted him, knowing full well that the Browns were not going to take Bo Callahan. They had to know that they weren't going to take Bo Callahan. There wasn't some other teams calling and saying, hey, do you want to trade up for this guy? Do you want to trade? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't happening. The, the Seahawks had to know they weren't going to take it. They didn't take him first overall. Why would they risk not being able to trade back ahead of the Seahawks to get him? You're not going to risk that. There's, there's exactly they, they, Seattle should have hung up the phone. If they like, didn't no, want, if they didn't, if they had truly wanted Bo Callahan to be their franchise guy, they would have taken him. Correct. They would have taken him at one. Correct. You they don't would, mess again, around with with quarterbacks. If it had been, if the top prospect 
in that draft had been, you know, this the slam dunk guy that they're willing to lose their minds on, you know, and like three hours later trading back all these picks and David Putney. If if it had, if the top prospect in this draft had been an edge rusher or a, a tackle or someone that they were like, hey, you know, this guy would make our football team a lot better. But if we can recoup this incredible amount of draft capital, yeah, we're fine moving out of that spot. Like, you, you know, like if um, I don't know, like if Jadavion Clowney was the top player in this draft, they and, and someone offered them that they'd move out of that. But if Andrew Luck was the top player in that draft and they were sold that this guy is, you know, what Andrew Luck was when he was coming out of Stanford, which was the, you know, the best quarterback prospect since, you know, Manning or Elway, something like that, mm-hmm. you you take him. You you don't you don't trade out of that spot, you take him because of what the quarterback position is. So there's no they were not high on enough on Bo Callahan to not trade out of that spot. They certainly wouldn't trade all that draft capital back. Yeah, you're not going to give it back just because you feel like you've been outsmarted by by Sonny Weaver. It, it's again, I mean, I love seeing Seattle get swindled as a Niners guy. I mean, this is it made me so happy just to see Seattle kind of take take an L for like the first time in the last decade. Um, I loved it, but <laughs> but it, it would make no sense in 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 the real draft scenario. Well, you mentioned it earlier about like the fans being outside. That wouldn't happen. It isn't there also the scene where like. Sonny's telling him about the message boards or something like Reddit's pissed at the Seahawks. <laughs> yeah, I think he said I've been checking the chat rooms, which just shows how wildly dated a Kevin Costner and B this movie became the minute it was released. Imagine what kind of hell we'd be living in if like Reddit chat rooms were influencing the NFL draft. That I mean, wow. I again, this is this is the thing where the GMs fade the noise, right? They never, they never hear what the fans are saying. They block themselves off. I, I mean, I see it all the time. People are tagging John Lynch and what they think John Lynch should do. John Lynch isn't checking his mentions on Twitter. He doesn't care. He doesn't care what you think. So it's just this mind-boggling scenario where they think that what the fans, what the angry fan types angrily into his computer or phone is going to make some big difference. I don't get it. John Lynch, Marlins legend. Um, I am on the <laughs> clock. My number three pick for the dumbest thing in this movie is I, I I could have probably lumped this into my first pick, but it's it's calling an NFL general manager the morning of the draft, which first and foremost, that's dumb in itself. That wouldn't happen. Player calling an NFL GM, but telling him that he needs to pick you because you'll slip. That's like the opposite of what you you want that guy to think that he needs to trade up for you. Not that, hey, he can get you on the cheap. He can get you on the discount. The Vontae Mack phone call at the beginning of this movie is incredible, honestly. And it one of the, the good graces of this movie, besides Kevin Costner, is Chadwick Boseman. Very endearing <laughs> as Vontae Mack. You you feel that energy. He is very he is very much good at everything he does, especially lately. Uh, but the it, it's tough. It's a really tough look. Yeah, even tougher look than that is the Black Panther having a brass knuckle uh, cell phone case. So that's what he's holding his phone. It has like little brass knuckles on it. Um, very weird look. Very weird look. And another thing that dates dates the movie really, really quickly. Uh, but yeah, you can't call you. That, that, he's doing his agent's job, but he's doing it really, really poorly. It's the agent's job to get in contact with teams and to say, hey, we've got this team and this team and this team, you know, interested. This is what we want. They're coming after us. 
not, hey, I'm going to tank my value real fast. So if you don't take me at seven, I might not go into the teens. I, I mean, uh, and it could have it could have been if they had wanted to change that up and make it work, like, they could have kept the phone call. Like if they wanted a phone call like, we, hey, we have to have Vontae Mack calling Sonny Weaver. Mm-hmm. It needs to be Vontae Mack saying, hey, I, you know, I've got interest from these teams. Like these teams are, are talking to me about three and four, but he went to Ohio State in the movie, right? He did, yeah. He needs to be, I'm an Ohio guy. My family is here. My dead sister's kids are here. I need to stay in Ohio. Like, I just thought of that off the top of my head. How did no one think about that? That would have made infinitely more sense and made this more realistic of why he needs to go get Vontae Mack. Like, Vontae Mack's going to be a top three pick or something. Like, he's an edge rusher. He's going to be a top three pick. He needs to stay in Ohio. Yeah, I, and Why don't people such a- pay me for this shit? <laughs> well, that's the other thing is they made such a, a big deal out of the running back, out of uh, Ray Jennings, his dad, Terry Crews, which another fantastic cameo. Anytime you get Terry Crews in a movie, I'm all for it. Um, cheeseburger Eddie, shout. Che- yeah, Cheeseburger Eddie. It ain't easy being cheesy. You know, they had Arian Foster as Ray Jennings, and they made such a big deal out of his dad had played for the Browns. So they've already taken that angle in the movie. They've already been like, I want to be here. This is this is family legacy, all this stuff. So I don't understand why they couldn't just slide that in with the Ohio State as well. And it's just Yeah, and he no. calls uh he calls Sonny Weaver too. Well, Terry Crews calls him. Yeah. Terry Crews calls him and he, but he puts and he puts Arian Foster on the phone and he lets him talk for a minute. But yeah, that was uh another weird like that that had to be like, oh, you know. Ray Jennings' dad is a legend for the Browns, so he's got the number to the GM. I get that. That at least made a little bit of sense in context. It made more but sense than the Vontae Matt call. Correct. And the first thing Sonny Weaver asked him is, how'd you get this number? All right, dude, how did you get that number? Like, <laughs> Where's come on, your agent? Yeah, right. The, the, the agent showed up like right when the draft was starting and was telling him, like, yeah, Houston's interested in you at 15 or whatever. And then he like sat next to him as he just kind of had that shocked look on his face after he got picked first overall. And then it was. I, don't know. I hope Vontae Mack fires that agent pretty early on. Uh, Matt, yeah, you were on the clock with your with your fourth pick. Fourth pick. Um, I'm going to take something that might be a realistic thing this year, and that is Goodell not getting booed off the stage. Um, <laughs> now, to be fair, to be fair, there were some boos. But the problem was they overlaid so many cheers that it drowned them out really Which badly. Is the you had to opposite listen. Opposite of how it works. Correct, correct. It sounded like there was like three people booing and then the rest of the people cheering. When it's like the polar opposite, like everyone's booing and then like Dell's wife and kids are cheering and that's it. And that's just how it goes. So now this year with it being the digital draft, right through Zoom meetings, basically. He might not get booed. They're saying that they're going to have like cameras that show on fans and stuff, and we'll Bud see if they Light's boo him or not. Bud Light's going to have that promotion going, too. Bud Light is asking, no free ads, but Bud Light wants videos of, of booing at the draft. Okay. So, well, some hey, promotion or something like that. Yeah, the first good thing Bud Light's done in a long time, so good for them. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, yeah no, it's, it's him not getting booed. Is just That's become such a staple, even if people don't mean it at this point. Booing Goodell is just part of draft night. That's just, as soon as he comes out on stage, he gets booed. He kind of embraces it. He's kind of turned himself into the heel of wrestling. Uh, and it's it, it, was, it was sad not to see it. It's funny that, it's funny that they would go that direction. 
that they wouldn't just, especially because it's not like Goodell clear, like you said, Goodell has clearly acknowledged it. Um, I think he even retweeted this thing about, hey, send your your booing videos or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not as though, I, I'm sure he doesn't, like, deep down, he doesn't love it. Like, he would prefer to be cheered. But it's not as though, and this was earlier in his tenure, so maybe that's changed. But it's surprising that they wouldn't, um, you know, they wouldn't just have all the boos. Just one little, one little drop of realism. Um, I am on the clock. My fourth pick is going to be you, you have a top 10 pick you're, you're picking seventh you're clearly not sold on your qbs coming back from a you know, terrible knee injury and you don't have full scouting on the top quarterback in the draft they just would not happen there's not a team there's probably not a team in the top 15 that doesn't have hasn't done as much homework as they possibly could have done on like tua or joe even joe burrow mm-hmm there's just yeah. no way that when Sonny rolls into the war room and he's like, hey, we've got, you know, we've got the number one pick now. And everyone starts scrambling to figure out what they can know about, you know, what they can learn about Bo Callahan. There's no way that they wouldn't they wouldn't have already done their homework on that. Just absolutely zero chance that they wouldn't have everything on Bo Callahan. Yeah, I, I'm gonna touch. I'm gonna I'm gonna expand on on that for my next pick. But you're absolutely right. I mean, I guarantee you almost all 32 teams this year have a scouting report on Joe Burrow because they have a contingency plan for everything. Who knows if tonight, Wednesday night, as we record right before the draft starts tomorrow, who knows if someone's quarterback is gonna tear their Achilles slipping down the stairs in their house? All of a sudden, teams are in win now mode are scrambling because they need to figure out what to do at quarterback. And they have to know exactly everything about a guy. They have to know his strength, weaknesses, whether he's their top guy or not, all this stuff. And they have to they have to do their homework. You have months of preparation. Months well, of preparation like the, stuff. The Laramie Tunsil thing where the vi- there's a you know a video surfaces of him before the draft. And it started like Laramie Tunsil was probably a consensus top five pick before that draft. Mm-hmm. And that video comes out, and he just starts sliding, and he ends up with the Dolphins, I think, at like 16 or something. Yeah, he and slid way far for the – it was the gas mask ball. Yeah, the gas, the, gas ma- <laughs> the gas mask video. But all these teams from, you know, 8 to f- eight to 16, probably th- coming into the draft, thought, I we have no shot at drafting Laramie Tunsil, but I bet mm-hmm. a lot of them had their homework done on him. And especially if it's a quarterback, the most important position in football. And then if you don't have a guy there – you're you're doing your homework. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I guarantee even even if you do have a guy, I guarantee you the Packers did their work on on the top guys. I guarantee the Chiefs did too. Everybody has to do their homework on the top quarterbacks. I don't care who your quarterback is because every player is literally one footstep away from being out for the year. So you have to plan for everything. Um does that put me back on the clock? That puts you back on the clock. I think this is your fourth pick. Okay. I'm going to take just just the scouts in general. They were so bad. Really bad. They were, they were so bad. There's so many things. Uh, we'll, we'll take this one, for example. The scouts not knowing Avante Mack gave the ball to his sister. Like, hi, you can't go giving the ball to some girl. Bro, how do you not know this? How do you not know that that's his sister? How do you not know she's dying from cancer? How do you not know she's died since then? How, how do you have a job if you haven't pulled this information? You know, they're probably waiting for the guy from the broom closet to tell him. That's what that's what they're waiting on. And the other stuff, like once they start to do their homework on Bo Callahan, the first thing they do is go to a website. It has all the girls he's quote unquote smashed. 
A, why does that website exist? And B, why are the scouts on draft day looking at that instead of tape? Looking at your second round picks, your third round, fourth round, fifth round, all this stuff. Because the, the movie, the thing the movie does is it focuses like first round picks are the only thing that exists until the plot is convenient to trade second round picks. I mean, so, when, if that website existed, that would be an incredible website. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure it would be. I'm sure it would be. Bo Callahan was a good looking dude. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure that website was full of very pretty ladies. Imagine still, he like, did great at Wisconsin. He probably did really well for himself. Yeah, he probably cleaned up, but still, like, kind of creepy that that's like what the scouts were like. Yeah, this is what we want to spend our time on. You know, like you said, they didn't do their homework on Bo. They didn't know Vontae Mack's sister. They, they just, they seem so clue. Like, why are they there? Clearly, Sonny Weaver is the smartest man in the room and doesn't need anyone else because he doesn't listen to any of their advice. Yeah, well, there's such a disconnect between Sonny, the head coach, the scouts. It's like they don't have their shit together with anyone, any player. There's like there's conflicting, you know, do they want to draft Ray Jennings? Like there's no consensus on that, even when that comes around. That's still more just the coach really wants him, and Sonny finally decides, like, hey, but there's no there's nothing about the scouts coming in being like, Oh yeah, we gotta have this guy, you know. It's it just there's complete disconnect. Yeah. Uh, functional uh, <laughs> institution dysfunctionality is what it was from top to bottom. It was just, it was bad. The only part, the only character in the whole movie that had her shit together was Jennifer Garner. Cause she, she knew the salary cap inside and out. She knew football. She told Dennis Leary to go F himself. It was great. Jennifer Garner was the MVP of this movie. I don't Hands know out. if when I covered this movie that we had a category for the, the Lenny Harris pinch hitter award for best supporting character. But uh, if we, if, we didn't, then she's it. She's definitely mm-hmm. the the best supporting character. Um, that puts me back on the clock. My fourth pick is Washington telling them about their hundred dollar bill thing, how they, you know, would would stick the hundred dollar bill on the back of whatever they'd send with the player, which is based on the uh the Raiders sending Jamarcus Russell blank tapes <laughs> of, of film, which is just an incredible story. Um, and basically giving them the dirt on Bo Callahan. Like, again, it's just, it's pretty much as simple as like NFL teams, NFL teams right now are so panicked that their zooms are going to be hacked. Their, their draft zoom calls are going to be hacked by another team and another team's going to figure out what they're doing in the draft. They are like fortresses. They're not giving out information willy nilly. No way. No, not a chance. Not a chance. If, and for those of you who don't know the, the story behind Jamarcus Russell, Jamarcus Russell was given blank tapes, and they were called blitz packages. The offensive coordinator and head coach sent him home with, with Russell and said, watch these and then report back. And Jamarcus was like, yeah, I watched them. They, they, I think I can handle that stuff. And again, blank. And that's why Jamarcus Russell only started 25 games for the <laughs> team that drafted him number one overall and never played again. Yeah, so I pretty much Bo Callahan is Jamarcus Russell. If that's the way we're looking at this. Yeah, with, there's less codeine implied, but yeah, he's, <laughs> he's pretty much pretty much supposed to be that. Matt, you're on the clock for your final pick in this, final draft, pick. this draft of the dumbest things about draft day. Oh, man. There, there's, there's so many. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with our girl, Jennifer Garner. And I'm Jennifer saying the Garner. secret relationship that he's having with the salary cap analyst is just... So reckless, and it's so not secret, and everybody knows about it. Like the mom knows, the head coach knows, broom closet guy knows. Why? 
if everyone knows you got to go public with it, right? And this whole little sneaking around thing, like they're teenagers or whatever, but like Kevin Costner's in his 50s and Jennifer Garner's, I don't know, she's eternally like 35 to me. She's been 35 to me for the last 20 years. So She's just fantastic. Everything about her. Yeah, clearly. But just having that secret relationship and just having it all boil up to a head and, and putting yourself in a position where it can tear everything down to the point where the head coach is trying to go through her to get his point across to the GM. Now, Dennis Leary's an idiot, so he doesn't know how to do it well. But still, it's just, there's, you can't have weird love stuff going on in in the middle of an uh, NFL front office. You can't do it. Absolutely not. And you're both in such positions of power, especially Sonny, that if you guys were actually, they could have dated out in the open. They could have done something professional out in the open. The, The secrecy is doing them no favors. Absolutely. I mean, when you're the GM, you're like, Hey, I'm dating the salary cap analyst. Everyone's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. You do you, boss. You're in charge here, man. Yeah. Everyone has just rolled with it. Um, my fifth and final pick is is something, again, that, that kind of back, piggybacking off this this Jennifer Garner thing, the office, office uh, management skills. Um, with apologies to spreading your dad's ashes mid-draft, which I think is just extraordinarily dumb, just incredible. <laughs> it's like, hey, the biggest event of the year is going on, but we got to go down the practice field, spread some ashes, got to be now. Uh, having an intern start in the office on draft day, it's the busiest day of the year. You're not bringing in an intern to just get in the way of everyone. There's no way. Not a chance. Not a chance. And also, does he not have a dedicated secretary? That, they, yeah, they, they where a, is his assistant? They they have they have like they have an intern handle the GM phone calls and Adam Schefter they name drop Adam Schefter in the movie say so Adam Schefter's online whatever he heard about a trade and they've got some intern who's literally just holding his hand over the phone doesn't even have him on hold. Sonny would have a like a a Jerry or an Amy or just this assistant who is at his hip has like three phones can get a hold of anyone whenever navigates his calls knows his schedule inside and out where he's going to be who he's got to talk to who's calling who's emailing like there's no way he'd just be winging it with nerdy little intern no way. Not a chance. And there's there's a scene in the movie where Kevin Costner destroys a computer. It was the intern's. It was his office. I don't get it. And then the intern's like all putting it together. And he's all sad. And Sonny Weaver takes time to sit down with him. And he's like, hey, you know, we'll get you a new one with all the bells and whistles. And then with all the hoopla that happened in the draft, 1,000% chance Sonny Weaver completely forgot about that nerd and his stupid computer. And he definitely didn't buy him a new one. That kid's never getting a new computer. Can you imagine when Sonny Weaver was destroying the, the computer, like Belichick throwing his headphones off because the loud noises. Are, <laughs> <laughs> just, just the squeal of the reverb. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that that finishes up our draft. Matt, you, you said you had a bonus, something that was actually realistic about this one. Can you redeem this movie? Uh, I can redeem it in you know in a in a weird way, and it kind of just takes a giant shit on, on the Cleveland Browns, and that's them taking a linebacker, a, a running back, getting a punt returner, and then celebrating like they won the Super Bowl in April and having this giant party where they just all act like yeah Cleveland football is back yes yes, yes. that's a very Cleveland Browns thing to do. It's very last year's Cleveland Browns to do. That's a very, we drafted Baker Mayfield, we're going to the Super Bowl. Well, that's do you a, remember the year this came out, what their draft, what happened in their draft? 
oh, this was the 2014 draft is what it was. And I actually looked that up, and that was a bad draft. That was a bad draft. But I don't specifically remember what happened with the Browns. They had two first-round picks. They drafted a cornerback, I believe. I don't have this in front of me. I believe ninth overall. I think it was Denzel Ward. I, I think that was him, but more importantly... Oh, no, it was Justin Gilbert. Justin who Gilbert. Was Justin terrible. Gilbert. <laughs> Justin Gilbert. Uh, yeah, well, they... And then they traded back to 22, oh. or maybe traded up back into the first round of 22 yeah. or something, and drafted a quarterback who was very Bo Callahan-ish, named uh, Johnny Manziel. <laughs> that didn't work. Yeah, that was... This was actually the Jadavion Clowney draft. So it, this this whole draft is actually it's actually decent when you when you go back and look through it, but it's it's it was really wide receiver heavy that was really good, um, but yeah, it just did not go well at all at all for the Browns. So I, you know, they celebrated like they won the Super Bowl after they drafted Johnny Football. So I mean, hey, it, it, time is a flat circle here. It really is. It really is. They picked the one thing about this movie that they did right was they picked the right franchise to have this much dysfunction and do this much dumb shit. Yeah, they really did. They, they did their homework on that one. And uh, even some of the teams they, they talked to were also pretty dysfunctional teams. Houston's fairly dysfunctional with well, Bill O'Brien at the helm now. Uh, Kansas City got in there at some point, and before they had Patrick Mahomes, they were, you know, they, were, they were pretty good. They were a playoff team, but they never really went anywhere. Buffalo got on the phone trying to get the first overall pick for a little bit. And then, uh, you know, obviously Seattle Seahawks was like the, the outlier of everything. The team has just had a ton of success sustained for the last 10 years. Well, having but, basically there were there were three dunces in this movie. It was the Seahawks, the Browns and the Jags. And two out of yeah. three, they just nailed nailed the casting, you might say. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And and I was t- I was, you know, I was texting you before when I was watching the movie, just stuff that I noticed as I went through. And the GMs were all like the generic white guy lineup that you get it's like it's like who can we get like that's kevin costner light and that's who like all the other gms were which was just like it just seems so perfect because i mean that's what nfl gms are it really is it's <laughs> a bunch of walmart brand kevin costners yeah <laughs> yeah and then you got the kmart guy running stuff down in jacksonville it was great exactly matt thanks so much for coming on the podcast talking about the the dumbest parts of draft day uh where can the folks follow you and check out what you guys are going to be doing at fourth and gold over draft weekend yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at MattBart underscore. I'm never going to get rid of the underscore. It is attached to an actor who hasn't tweeted in three years. And my petitions are going nowhere. So at MattBart underscore. Um, and then you can find us on 4th and Gold Podcast, also part of the Blue Wire Network. And then, of course, you can find us our draft coverage. If this comes out in time, the draft coverage for YouTube Live. We'll be doing the whole first round top to bottom. Well, and you can follow this podcast on Twitter at big underscore screen sport because the big screen sports pod uh, Twitter account hasn't tw- or the big screen sports Twitter account hasn't tweeted in uh, ever, I think, which is, which is very <laughs> frustrating. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Banduho. We'll have another normal episode coming at you on Monday covering Warrior with Dan Stutt from The Athletic. Uh, if you want to check out previous episodes, they're all evergreen. This past Monday, uh, did our first non-sports movie, That Thing You Do with Brandon Walker from Barstool. You can also check out my interview series from Phenom to the Farm, presented by Baseball America. That comes out every other Tuesday, and we will catch you next Monday. Thanks.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.